Hello, and welcome to the Journal Club activity titled CAR-1, More Than Just Another Receptor in Schizophrenia. This activity is supported in whole or in part by an educational grant from Synovion and Otska. I am your host, Dr. Eric Atches, Chair of the Department of Psychiatry at Western Michigan University's Homer Stryker MD School of Medicine and primary author of the publication we're covering today entitled Eulodoron, Review of Preliminary Evidence for the Efficacy and Safety of a TAR-1 Agonist in Schizophrenia. As you go through the document, I will be popping up here in your learning stream to offer additional insight and resources. Feel free to use the tabs at the top to pin any content you find useful, take and save notes, and download resources you want to keep for later. Okay, let's get started. First, I'd like to talk a little bit about the unmet needs in schizophrenia. Schizophrenia affects approximately 1% of the population worldwide. It typically begins in the teens and early 20s and has a chronic fluctuating course. Schizophrenia also causes significant disability across the lifetime. Core symptoms of schizophrenia are illustrated in figure one. Most of you will likely be familiar with the positive symptoms, things like delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, and catatonia. But there are also negative symptoms which affect up to 62% of people with schizophrenia and include things like affective flattening, poverty of speech, abolition, and anhedonia. Cognitive symptoms of schizophrenia affect more than half of patients with schizophrenia and often begin prior to the prodrome or even the first episode and include things like attention deficits, memory impairments, and low executive function. Finally, there are mood symptoms, things like dysphoria, suicidality, and hopelessness. Together, these symptoms lead to significant social and occupational dysfunction for individuals with schizophrenia, affecting things like their work, their relationships, and their self-care. For the last 70 years, medications to treat schizophrenia have primarily blocked the dopamine 2 receptor. They have also provided some 5-HT2A antagonism, especially with some of the newer agents. Both first and second generation antipsychotics come with significant side effect burden and have limited ability to help with the negative and cognitive symptoms of schizophrenia. First generation antipsychotics, particularly the high potency ones, may lead to movement disorders such as extrapyramidal symptoms, tardive dyskinesia or dystonias, and may also lead to elevated prolactin levels. Second generation antipsychotics, as well as low potency first generation antipsychotics, may contribute to weight gain, sedation, and metabolic side effects. This unfavorable benefit risk profile for these D2 blocking agents, especially regarding metabolic side effects, results in high discontinuation rates and long-term health consequences. If you look at figure two, we can see how side effects appear and then may impact patients who are taking the medications differently from the way that doctors are perceiving risk. For example, doctors are worried about things that might harm the patient, such as metabolic syndrome, NMS, or tardive dyskinesia, whereas patients may be more concerned about things that will affect the way that they look and feel, weight gain, sedation, or sexual side effects. These are the side effects that may lead to medication non-adherence, and the patient may not even tell the doctor. With regard to weight gain in particular, patients are incredibly sensitive. With as little as a five-pound weight gain, nearly 30% of patients say that they would either not take a medicine or it would have a lot of influence on whether they would take it. When that weight gain increases from six to 10 pounds, nearly 44% say they'd, they would either not take the medicine or they would have a lot of influence on their decision to take it. When it increases to 11 to 20 pounds, 67%, two thirds say they would either not take the medicine or it would have a lot of influence on whether they would take it. And when it's 20 pounds or more, 73% of patients say they would not take the medicine or that it would have a lot of influence on their decision to take the medicine. When we get to 20 pounds or more, 73%, nearly three quarters of patients would either not take the medicine or said it would have a large influence on their desire to take the medicine. 
Overall, there is a high level of unmet need in the treatment of schizophrenia with need to improve all symptom domains as well as to improve the, so the safety and tolerability of these medications for patients. So now I'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about the discovery of a new medication to try to treat schizophrenia in a novel way with fewer side effects. I'll spend just a couple minutes explaining how Eulodorant was discovered. Initially, a large library of reference compounds was screened and it was tested using in vivo and in vitro anti-target screening mechanisms. The idea was to try to find novel agents that did not block the dopamine 2 receptor or the 5-HT2A receptor. In the process of doing this, they discovered a trace amine-associated receptor 1 agonist and a 5-HT1A receptor agonist that had a drug signature that looked promising as it had antipsychotic as well as antidepressant and anxiolytic effects. TAR1 is a G-protein coupled receptor found throughout the brain, including in the ventral tegmental area, the substantia nigra, the dorsal raphe nucleus, the limbic regions, the prefrontal cortex, and the basal ganglia. It seems to act on the presynaptic dopamine releasing neurons, blocking the release of dopamine and therefore having an antipsychotic effect. Notable benefits of TAR1 agonists include that it does not induce catalepsy, it may potentiate the use of other second-generation antipsychotics, including olanzapine, risperidone, and paliperidone. It regulates metabolic function and food reward behavior. It improves glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity. It may inhibit the rewarding effects of drugs of abuse and has no clinically meaningful drug-drug interactions. In addition, eulodorant is a small molecule. It is highly soluble and permeable. It passes through the blood-brain barrier and has low protein binding. It quickly reaches a maximum concentration in the brain in 30 minutes and has a half-life of about seven hours. 92% is excreted in the urine as a single inactive metabolite. Now I'd like to move on to the initial evidence for Eulodorant's efficacy. We'll talk first about a phase two, four-week double-blind study where Eulodorant at a dose of 50 to 75 milligrams was compared with placebo. 245 patients with a DSM-5 diagnosis of schizophrenia were enrolled in the study. 64% were male and the mean age was 30. At baseline, these individuals had a PANS total score of 101, indicating that they were quite symptomatic. When you look at figure five, you can see that at endpoint at week four, there was a significant separation of those treated with eulodorant compared to those treated with placebo. Those receiving eulodorant had a 17.2 point decrease in the PANS total score compared to just 9.7 points for those on placebo. This yielded an effect size of 0.45. In addition, we began to see separation from placebo as early as week three. Other secondary outcomes also showed improvement in the CGI, the PANS positive and negative subscales, the brief negative symptom scale, and the MADRAS. Overall, the efficacy of eulodorant was very hopeful and showed significant benefit for negative symptoms. If you look at figure six, you can see the effects of eulodorant on negative symptoms. This is again coming from the four-week phase two study. There was significant improvement in avolition and apathy, as well as deficits of expression. There was improvement on the PANS negative symptom subscale, as well as the PANS martyr negative symptoms. Then per the brief negative symptom scale, there were improvements in elogia, asociality, anhedonia, and blunted affect. If you look at the bottom part of this figure, it shows a summary of the effects of eulodorant on positive symptoms, negative symptoms, including avolition, apathy, and deficits of expression, hostility, depression, and the PANS total score. Next, we'll move on to the evidence that supports the long-term effectiveness of eulodorant. Following the four-week acute phase study, 
there was a 26-week open-label extension study that enrolled 157 participants. If you look at figure seven, you can see that whether patients were initially randomized to eulodoron or placebo, once they started open-label eulodoron, they continued to improve out to 26 weeks. Next, I'd like to move on to the preliminary safety and tolerability data for eulodoron. Overall, I'd like to highlight that there were fewer adverse events for those who were taking eulodoron compared to placebo. This is significant as this is not usually commonly seen in studies of antipsychotics compared with placebo. In addition, there were high completion rates, 67% for patients randomized to eulodoron. This compares very favorably to the Katie study where completion rates were as low as 39% for zeprazidone, all the way up to 55% for olanzapine. In addition, the number needed to harm was less than 50 for only two side effects when comparing eulodoron to placebo. Dyspepsia had a rate of 2.5% for those treated with eulodoron compared to 0% for placebo. And severe adverse events were seen in 5.8% of patients on eulodoron compared to 1.6% of patients on placebo. And you can see any adverse event occurred in 45.8% of patients on eulodoron compared with 50.4% of those on placebo. In addition, there were no changes in movement disorder scales. So the AIM scale was performed and there was no change. And the Barnes Akathisia scale was also performed and there was no change compared with baseline. Discontinuation rates were similar between those on eulodoron and those randomized to placebo. When we look at the 26 open label extension study, the only side effects that had greater than a 6% occurrence rate were worsening schizophrenia at 12.2%, headache at 11.5%, and insomnia at 8.3%. Finally, with regard to metabolic profile, weight, body mass index, total cholesterol, LDL, triglycerides, and prolactin all decreased in those treated with a eulodoron for 26 weeks. Hemoglobin A1c was unchanged. To further illustrate this favorable side effect profile, Eulodorant was compared in figure nine to second-generation antipsychotics in an antipsychotic class-related adverse event comparison. Eulodorant is there in the dark blue line, and you can see that across a wide variety of antipsychotic-specific side effects, it had lower rates than medications such as quetiapine in the orange line, lorazidone in the red line, or olanzapine in the brown line. This again points to the novel pharmacologic profile of eulodoron compared with other second generation antipsychotics. Last, I would like to move to a discussion and conclusion related to eulodoron as a possible treatment for schizophrenia. We saw very favorable and encouraging results in this phase two study, as well as the 26 week follow up study. Phase three studies were underway at the time of publication. The top line results for those studies, entitled Diamond One and Diamond Two, are now available. Diamond 1 was a six-week randomized controlled trial of 435 patients with schizophrenia. The PANS total score was the main outcome measure, and eulodorant was dosed at 50 and 75 milligrams. In the Diamond 2 study, also a six-week randomized controlled trial, there were 464 individuals with schizophrenia, and they were dosed at 75 or 100 milligrams. Unfortunately, in this study, there was a very high placebo rate, 19% in the Diamond 1 study and about 14% in the Diamond 2 study which seemed to mask the therapeutic response of eulodoron. There were seen some numerically different improvements at the highest dose of eulodoron compared to placebo, but it did not reach statistical significance. Further study is needed to better understand how this agent may be used for the benefit of patients with schizophrenia. In summary, the search for non-D2 blocking antipsychotics continues. Eulodoron is a novel trace amine associated receptor one 
agonist and 5-HT1A receptor agonist that seems to have preliminary efficacy in the treatment of schizophrenia, not only for positive symptoms, but also especially for negative symptoms. Its unique mechanism of action, as well as benign side effect profile, seem to differ from currently available antipsychotics. Further research is needed to determine the safety and tolerability of this new class of medications and to determine their benefit for individuals with schizophrenia. This concludes the virtual journal club activity, R1, more than just another receptor in schizophrenia. Thank you for your participation. I hope you enjoyed it. To receive continuing education credit, be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation online. To view additional activities for healthcare professionals, please visit www.cmeoutfitters.com. Again, thank you for joining and providing the best care for your patients.